Welcome to Legacy Church. Thank you for joining us in our journey to see our potential in Christ become a legacy in our community. We hope that you are encouraged by this word from Pastor Chad Owens and pray that you will walk away with something incredible from your time here with us. I want to take just a moment to talk about the Speedlight auction that's happening next coming Sunday, October the 20th. Uh, last year was our first annual Speed of Light auction, and we did had a phenomenal time, and we gave away some great prizes, and this year is going to be even better. Uh, we have the opportunity to have um, missionaries with us that Sunday from uh, Chi Alpha Ministry at Auburn University. Uh, Craig and April Woodham will be here that Sunday sharing a word with us next Sunday. Have you guys know that they need Jesus in Auburn? Come on, raise your hand. Not in Alabama, but down in Auburn, so... Um, but anyway, I know that's not funny, but it sounded good. But anyway, I want you guys to join us next Sunday. Uh, the dinner will be uh, at 530. The, I think the auction starts at somewhere right after that. So just come with us, enjoy a time for um, uh, just speed the light. Whatever comes in, we're giving right back out to speed the light. And so our, our teenagers have set a pledge this year, and we want to help them meet that pledge. Uh, because everything that, that comes in goes right back, right back out. And all the, all the money comes in goes towards a good cause to buy sound equipment, vehicles, whatever the missionary needs to get the word of Jesus to these, to these different locations. And so we want you to come and be part of that next Sunday. Um, I know many of you are thinking this morning that, um, Tracy, this microphone's a little hot. Can you bring it down just a little bit for me? I know many of you are thinking that uh, this is a members-only jacket that I'm wearing this morning. Just want to let you know it's not. How many of you guys know what a members-only jacket is? We've got a few of us. I know some of the Somebody, I don't even know what that is. Well, it was a cool jacket back in the 80s, and that's not what it is, but I wish I had one. Anyway, so um, we're finished up a, a sermon series this morning called Dangerous Prayers. And uh, Thursday, as I was preparing this sermon, I felt in my spirit that God was, was really going to speak and God was really going to move in a in our life and in our service this morning. And I began to vocalize that as I'm preparing this message. I'm like, God, this is going to be a great message. This is going to be an incredible word from you. And soon as I said that, everything began to fall apart. From, from Thursday to early this morning, I'm dealing with, uh, with, uh, with sewer issues at my house right now. My set the tank is backing up, and I'm, I'm outside this morning cleaning up stuff out of my yard. And so it's been one of those last couple of days where everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. And here's the reason why I know that. It's because God's going to do something today. Why would, God, why would that be happening in my life if God wasn't going to do something today? He's, he, the enemy's tried to get my focus. He's tried to pull me in all these different directions. And I'm standing in the shower this morning just going, God, I don't care about it right now. I'm not concerned about it right now. I'm not going to worry about it right now. God, all I'm concerned about is being able to share the word with our congregation this morning that you gave me on Thursday. That's all I'm concerned about. I'll deal with the problems later. I don't want to think about that right now because it's a little gross. It's just a little Thanks. It's a little gross, but I'm telling you this morning, I really feel like God's going to speak to us today through the, as we end this sermon series called Dangerous Prayers. You see, if you haven't been here throughout the, the, you know, the last several weeks, I want to uh, encourage you to go check out the podcast that we have available to you because we have these sermons there available. And a dangerous prayer is a prayer that we pray that gives God the opportunity to look within our lives, 
and reveal things that maybe that we have kind of hidden away or things that we have maybe we have forgotten about. You see, the very first sermon in this series was a sermon called Search Me. And we looked at the prayer in Psalms chapter 139, verses 23 and 24, where David was praying this prayer, God search me. And then last week, we looked at Psalms 51, where David was, was praying a prayer of confession, where he says, God, I need you to cleanse me. God, I need you to remove my iniquities from my life. I need you to do something new in my life, God. I, I need you to, to awaken my spirit, God. I need you to, to do something in my life that, that you haven't done in a long time. See, today we're going to be looking at a prayer from the book of Isaiah, where Isaiah prayed this dangerous prayer that sent him out into the world to reach the lost people. You see, the Old Testament is full of people who said yes to God and, and that God has placed a call on their life. Not just to be a call to be a pastor or not just a call to be a prophet, but a call to reach the lost. That's where everyone in this room sits and, and realizes today that we all have a call on our life. We all are called to be a disciple. You're not called, necessarily called to be a pastor. You're not necessarily called to be a prophet. You may not be called to be a worship leader or a youth pastor, but you're called to reach the lost. That's what God says in His Word, that we're all called to reach the lost. You see, how many of you know that when you decide to follow Jesus, you have to understand that you're not always going to understand what you're getting your life into? I don't know how many people sat down and talked to you after you re received Christ in your life and told you what you're about to get your life into. No one sat down and talked to me what, was, what I'm going to get my life, what I'm signing up for. No one told me about that. I mean, it would have been nice to know that when I started my journey that, that all these things that, you know, that may happen in my life, that I, you know, all these things that, may, uh, in, that I may encounter, it would be nice to know those things, but I didn't know those things. So I, I just began to choose to follow God and walk by faith. And over these last 15, 20, or even 25 years, I've realized that I, I, that, uh, I didn't know what I was getting myself into when I, when I received Christ as my Lord and personal Savior. How many of you ever had those moments in your life when you signed up for something and you quickly realized that you had no idea what you were signing up for? We've all been there. Just a few weeks ago, we took a group of people to DeSoto State Park to do some zip lining. And these are the, the people that are laughing were there that day. You see, I didn't know what I was getting myself into that day, and probably you, did, you didn't know what you were getting yourself into either. But I had this preconceived idea what I thought it might be like and then when I got there, it was completely, totally different. I mean, nothing what I thought it was going to be like. Now, I had fun. It was, now, it was very challenging, but I had a great time. But I thought that I was going to just go ziplining. I didn't know I was going to have to walk across ropes, and I didn't realize I was going to have to walk across two-by-fours, you know, like this, and, you know, hopefully that I don't fall to my death. I didn't realize all of that stuff. But I had a good time. It was fun. It was challenging. And there are some of you in this room that were really challenged, and there were some of you who were like, what in the world have I done? I mean, some of these people came off that thing and they were just sweat. They hadn't sweated that much in years. I mean, it was, they just came out and was like, oh my God, this is the worst thing ever. But you, but you made it through it. It was a challenging thing for you, but you made it through. You see, when we decide to follow God, there's going to be places that God's going to send us that's going to be better than what you ever expected. He's going to send you to places that you're just like, man, this is, this is great. 
But see, when God talked about the promised land, he mentioned just how great it was. And then he sends out, or then the 12 spies go into the land and they begin to scope out. And they come back with this word in Numbers chapter 13, verses 27 and 28. It says this. It says, they brought back a word to them and to the congregation and they showed them the fruit of the land. And thus they told them, he said, we went into the land where you sent us and, and certainly it, it does flow with milk and honey. And, that it all, and this is its fruits. And then he says in verse 28, but nevertheless... The people who live there in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and, and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. In other words, what God was talking about, it was everything that God talked about. It was a place where it was flowing with milk and honey and it was just a great place. But, but he didn't talk about the challenges that were there. He just talked about how great it was. So when we step out into this realm of following God and whatever God has for us, there's going to be times where God sends us to places that, that, are, that we're just like, man, this is, this is great. But on the flip side of that, there's always going to be those places that God sends you to that's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a challenge to you and to I. But there will be other times where God sends us out that, that it's going to be challenging and it looks like that, we can, that we're not going to be able to handle it. You see, saying yes to Jesus means that we will experience unexpected twists and turns in our life. But with God's help, we can overcome those twists and those turns. You see, I've, there's a lot of times in my life over the last 15, 20, 25 years that I've, that I've experienced unexpected twists and turns in my life. And, and you can verify to say it by saying amen. You've been there too. You've, you've, you've experienced things that you were not prepared for. You've gone through things that you did not think that you might go through. But understand that with God's help, you will be able to overcome whatever challenges is laid in front of you. You see, the children of Israel could have overcome the challenges that were in front of them. But because they saw themselves different than what God saw them, they never entered into God's promise. You see, the promised land was, was promised to the children of Israel. But when they got there, they didn't just see how great it was, but they saw the challenges that, that was there as well. And the problem was that 10 of those spies, they, they could only focus on the challenge and not the prize. And so they talked everybody else into not going. So all of these people never were able to go and have what God promised to them. Why? Because all they could see was the challenge. You see, too many times in our life is all we think about is the challenge. But on the other side of the challenge is the promise. And that if we can just make it through the challenge, that we will get to experience the promise. But in order to make it through the challenge, you got to have God with you. You cannot get through the challenge by yourself. You know what? When we were ziplining, when we were going through that obstacle, I was grateful that I had this rope that was attached to my waist and to this other thing that, I, that was able to walk, go with me as I'm crossing these, these things. Why? Because if I didn't have that, I would fall into my death. You're just like, man, that sounds like a lot of fun. But I'm telling you, there's challenges that we face in our life. So I want to encourage you today is this. Stop looking at the challenge, but look at the promise. Because on the other side of the challenge is the promise. Ten people, listen, ten people talked a whole generation out of receiving the promise because they were scared. 
Because they focused on the challenge instead of the promise. And only two said, hey, or Caleb was like, man, we can go. Let's go take this. And everybody's like, nah, that's, that's not, uh, we're not going to do that. Because there's challenges there. You see, being a follower of Jesus means that we go where he sends us. That's exactly what a disciple means. Is that when I decided to follow God, when I decided to sign my, line, my name on that, that line of salvation, that meant that, I was, that I'm going to go where God sends me, whatever it looks like, whatever challenges that, may fa- that I may face in my life. That's what it means. You see, but sometimes we get this, we get this thing mixed up where, where God is wanting to be our Lord and our Savior. We won't, God wants to be our Lord and our Savior, but too many times we try, to, we try to split the two and we try to separate the two. You see, we want Jesus to be our Savior, right? Because that means that He, sa- that he saved me from my sins, that He's brought me out of the darkness into the marvelous light. That means that He's given me eternal life. So when it comes to being my Savior, I'm okay with that because that means that, I'm, that He's brought me out of my sin. But there's another side to that, and that is Jesus also wants to be your Lord. See, too many times we focus on just the Savior part and we exclude the Lord part. You see, you can't separate the two. You can't go, well, Jesus is just my Savior and not the Lord because He has to be both. You see, nobody wants the Lord in their life. Nobody wants that person in their life that tells them what they're supposed to do, that tells them which way they're supposed to go. But you see, Jesus not only wants to be your Savior, but He wants to be your Lord. And when Jesus is your Lord, that means He has full control of your life. That's where people don't like it. Because they want to control the outcome. They want to control what they do. They want to control what happens in their life and what they do. And so they leave the Lord part out of it, but I will accept Jesus as my Savior. You see, when Jesus is your Lord, that means He calls the shots. That means that He is the one and the one and only supreme ruler in your life. You see, we want the saving part, but we don't want the Lord part. He has to become both. He, he cannot be one without the other. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 18, it says this. It says, but grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. You see, Romans chapter 1, verses 1, it says this. It says, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated, from the gospel, or the, separated to the gospel of God. Do you know what a bondservant is? A bondservant is a slave. Think about that for a moment. A bondservant is a slave. So the Bible says that Paul was a slave to Jesus Christ. He was a slave to God. In other words, whatever God told him to do, that's what he did. Because not only was he his Savior, but he was his Lord. You see, we don't want that sometimes in our life. We don't want people calling the shots for us. We don't want people uh, other things doing that in our life. We want to do that ourselves. But God says, if, if you want me to be your Savior, then you also have to me, allow me to be your Lord. I'm the one that has to be in control of your life. I'm the one that has to call the shots in your life. And that's not easy. And it's not fun sometimes. But that's how God set it up. Paul was a bondservant, a slave to, to God. 
That whatever God said, he did. Wherever God called him to go, he went. And can I tell you this morning, Paul went to some unexpected places and he faced a lot of challenges in his life. But as I read scripture, Paul was overcome the challenges in his life. Why? Because he had a personal relationship with not only his Lord, but also his Savior. So he was, over, he was able to overcome the obstacles that he faced in his life. So guys, we should be praying dangerous prayers like this. Why? Because it's a time of spiritual awakening. It's a time for us to look at our lives and ask God, God, change us. God, do something new in our lives. God, I've got to a place in my life where I'm just dull and nothing's happening. God wants you to change your life. God wants you to change your situation in your life. You see, Jesus is looking for people who he can send into the world to share the good news. Jesus is looking for people like me and you who will go into the communities to reach people like me and you. That's the cool thing about it. God is wanting me and you to go into the communities and reach people like me and you. He's not going to send us out to reach all these different people. He's going to call us to go out and reach people that's just like you and I. So in this message, in this Isaiah, it's a very powerful uh, passage of Scripture where a man is volunteering to go out into the world. And my main Scripture is found in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 8, and it says this. It says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. That's what Isaiah said. That was the prayer that Isaiah prayed in that moment. Talk about a dangerous prayer. Talk about a dangerous prayer. Here I am, God. God's God's looking at Isaiah saying, who's going to go? Who can can we send? Who's going to go for us? And Isaiah's over here going, God, here I am. I'll go for you. And that's what God is wanting from every one of us in this room today is to answer that question. Here I am, God. Send me. I'll go. I'll go do what you've called me to do. God, I'm not concerned about the outcome. I'm not concerned about what's going to happen to me. I'm just concerned, God, that I want to be used by you and be able to make a difference in someone else's life. You see, in that moment, Isaiah was making himself available to God. He was volunteering, guys. He was volunteering himself to go to be an extension of God. You see, Isaiah wasn't worried about the challenges, He wasn't worried about the logistics of what's going to happen or how it's going to happen. He was just standing there in the moment of the presence of God. And he answered the call that God called out to him. You see, when Jesus is our Savior and our Lord, he's the one, again, that calls the shots. He's the one that's in control. This past Wednesday night, I shared with our class that, that before we can ever go out into the community and reach our lost, we have to make sure that everything is right with us first. In other words, our relationship with God has to be vertical first before it can ever be horizontal. If things are not right with us and God, then we will never be able to be successful in the community. And that's why Isaiah was praying that prayer. That's why David prayed that prayer. Send me, search me, God. Cleanse me, God. Why? Because I want to go out into the community. I want to make a difference in someone else's life. I want to be the person that you've called me to be. So that's why they were praying that. So before we can ever go out into the community, we prayed several weeks ago, God, search me. And then the second prayer was, God, cleanse me. And through this whole sermon series, my thoughts and my prayers have been that God, we would allow God to search our hearts. 
That we would allow God to get things right in our lives so that we can go out into the, into the world and our community to win the lost. Let there be a spiritual awakening in all of us in all of our lives. So today I've titled the sermon series, Send Me. Send Me. You see, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 4 says this. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, he says, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and, and, the, and his train, or train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim with six wings, with two wings that covered their faces, with two wings that covered their feet, and with two wings they were flying. And they were there calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds begin to shake and, and the temple was filled with smoke. You see, as I was reading that passage of Scripture, God spoke this to me. God is beginning to reveal Himself to Isaiah. God is revealing Himself to Isaiah. This was a commissioning moment for Isaiah. God was about to send Isaiah into the community. He was about to go and send Isaiah out to be his prophet, to be his voice, to be his spokesperson into the world. You see, Isaiah has this vision from God, and this vision from God is God sitting on the throne. Because you have to understand what was happening in this moment. In that moment, King Uzziah died. He had reigned for over 50 years, and, and overall, the Bible says that he was a good king. The Scripture reveals that, that he did what was right in, the, in God's eyes, and, and that he sought God in the days of Zechariah, and so he was blessed, and so he was prospered. King Uzziah had great victories over the Philistines and other nations. Everyone was talking about King Uzziah. But suddenly, tragically, his life changed and eventually ended up because of a poor decision that he made. A, a decision that he made in his life where God struck him down with leprosy and he ended up spending the rest of his life alone and he died. So in that moment, Isaiah is seeing all of this happen. He's watching everything go, happen all around him. It's kind of like when you and I see great leaders or, great, or men of God or pastors fall in the church. We've seen it happen before. Where men and women are, you know, men and women fall in the church or because of a decision that they made in their life. And we're standing on this side going, what in the world happened? I never saw that coming. How did that happen in their life? How did they get to that point? So Isaiah's like, you know what? That's what's happening in Isaiah's life. He's watching this take place. He's watching this situation happen in his life. Maybe Isaiah was feeling the same way, that he can't believe what is happening in front of him. Maybe he felt discouraged or, or he was upset in that moment. And maybe he was thinking like most of all of us do when bad things happen around us. Where is the Lord in all of this? You ever ask that question before? When you're, when you're faced with a situation, when you're faced with a difficult time. God, where are you? God, where are you at in that moment? And I'm sure that, that Isaiah in that moment was asking that question. God, where are you? Why is this king died? Why, did, why is all these things happening in his, in, around me? So this morning, just uh, real quickly, I want to give you three things that really stuck out in my heart about this scripture. Number one is this, and I said it just a second ago. Number one, God revealed himself to Isaiah. It says, in the year that the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. You see, my prayer for, for me throughout this whole sermon series was, God, search me. 
But don't just search me, God. Reveal to me, God, the things that I need to change in my life. You see, even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of confusion, even in the midst of all of this that was happening around Isaiah, God still had a plan. God was going to use Isaiah, but Isaiah didn't know that he was going to be part of the plan. You see, God gives Isaiah this vision, and the vision is God sitting on the throne. And listen to me this morning, and I really feel like God spoke to me this on Thursday. God has always been and will always be in the same place since the very beginning of time, and that is sitting on the throne. He's sitting there right now. In the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of all the confusion, in the midst of all the things that's happening in this world, in the midst of all the things that's happening in your life, he's still sitting on the throne. He hasn't changed position. He will never change position. He's still there. So in that moment of Isaiah questioning God and God, what's going on, God? What's happening in all this world? God reveals to Isaiah that he's still on the throne, Isaiah, that everything is going to be okay no matter what you see. He reveals himself to him in that moment. He has a vision of God sitting on a throne. Not a chair, but he's sitting on the throne where God placed himself since the very beginning of time. Listen, just because there's terrible things that are happening around us or terrible things that are happening in your life, it doesn't mean that God's removed himself from the throne. Please understand that this morning. He's still sitting on the throne. And he will always be there. No one will remove him from the throne. Psalms chapter 47, verses 8 says this. It says, God reigns over all the nations. God is seated on His holy throne. You see, the search me prayer is not just a prayer about God revealing things to me. It's not just about me asking, uh, you know, God, what's wrong with me? But it's about asking this question. Does God sit on the throne of my life? That's what I felt like God was saying to me as I read that scripture. And maybe he's saying that to you this morning. Does God sit on the throne of your life? In other words, is he, is he in control of your life? Is, he, is, is, where, is that where he needs to be in your life? Is sitting on the throne of your life? If he's not, then you need to make some changes. He revealed himself to Isaiah. Isaiah, listen, I'm still on the throne. Why? Because Isaiah needed to know because he was about to go out into the community and reach the lost people. So he needed to know where God was and is, and is sitting on the throne. Isaiah, no matter what you face, I'm still here. No matter what you go through, I'm still here. I haven't, mis- I haven't moved myself and I'm never going to move my, myself. I'm still here. He revealed himself to Isaiah through a vision. And the vision was not just him sitting on a chair, but he was sitting on the throne. In that moment, he revealed himself to Isaiah. See, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for all of us. Do you understand? Everybody look at me just for Do you understand that you're a, that you're a handiwork of God? That God has put you together for a purpose. That God has put you together for a plan. But some of you are allowing the challenges of life to detour you away from that plan. You see, we're focused on the challenges. We're focused on the problems. We're focused on this. And God says, don't look at the problems. Don't look at the challenges. Look to the promise. You were created to do great things. You were created by the hands of God. You are a a wonderful masterpiece by God. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. You were created to do good works. You see, remember, God's not just wanting to be your Savior, but He's wanting to be your Lord. 
You see, if God isn't sitting on the throne of your life, then you need to make some changes. You need to put Him where He belongs, and that is on the throne of your life. Through this vision that Isaiah had, God shows Isaiah His rightful place. You see, today understand that God has to be sitting on the throne of your life. Why? Because that is His rightful place. He does not belong second or third or fourth or fifth. The Ten Commandments, the very first commandment is, they shall, Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. No other gods before me. I'm supposed to sit on the throne. I'm the one that's supposed to be number one in your life. Not everything else that's happening around you. So he revealed himself to Isaiah in a vision. Number two is this. The cleansing begins to take place in Isaiah's life. Number one was the reveal. Number two is the cleanse. Verses 5-7 through seven says this. Isaiah says, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this, is how, uh, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. In that moment, Isaiah's sin was taken from him in a moment by the touch of the hand of God. Everything in that moment changed in Isaiah's life. You see, Isaiah's response was this, Woe to me! In other words, God, I'm a sinner. I, don't, I, don't, I can't be standing in your presence, God, because I'm a sinner. God, I, I don't need to be standing here because I'm a terrible person. But that doesn't matter what we've done in the past. What matters is what you allow God to do in your life today. Will you allow God to cleanse you and to do things in your life that He's never done before? You see, Isaiah just envisioned, Isaiah sees these angels flying around in complete obedience to God, singing praises to Him in that moment. And Isaiah realizes, hey, that's not me. I'm not like that. I need to be like that. So in that moment, Isaiah's like, woe to me, God. I'm a sinner. Change my life. Just like Peter did in Luke chapter 5 when Simon, when Simon Peter saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and he said, Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. You see, when you and I have that moment in God's presence, we, we quickly realize just who we are. Just who we are. When we have that moment in God's presence, we quickly realize, man, I'm a sinner. I'm a terrible person. I don't belong to be standing here in God's presence. But that's what God wants. He wants you to realize that you're a sinner. He wants you to realize that you're a bad person. He wants you to realize that you need Him in your life. That's why He wants you to go through that. That's why He wants to cleanse you in your life. Isaiah says, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among people with unclean lips. Psalms chapter 12, verses 2 says this. It says, everyone lies to their neighbor. They flatter with their lips, but harbor deception in their hearts. Isaiah 31, verse 18, it says, Let their lying lips be silenced. For with pride and contempt they speak arrogantly against the righteous. You see, our lips represent who we are. For out of, our, for out of the flow of our mouth, the heart speaks. That's why Isaiah, that's why God needed to touch Isaiah's lips. Why? Because it was what was coming out of his life that was deceiving God and deceiving other people. You see, our lips, our mouths deceive other people. They can be dangerous. They can be evil. 
We speak lies. We have gossip. We say all of these things that comes out of our mouth and we want God's blessings in our life, but yet we stand around and do all these other things and allow this you know, vulgar language to come out of our mouth. And God says, I can't have that. I can't have that in your life. If you're going to be this person, you got to get rid of it. Isaiah was saying, Lord, that's me. I live among the same people. I need you to cleanse me. I need you to wash me clean. I need you to do something new in my life that you haven't done before. You see, the people that Isaiah was talking about was about to be the same people that God was going to send Isaiah out to to minister to. You see, from the outward appearance, Isaiah seemed righteous. But when he came in contact with God's Spirit, he quickly realized just how sinful he was. You see, you can take a diamond and you can lay it against a black background and shine light on it and you can see every flaw and every imperfection in it that your eye couldn't see. For every flaw and imperfection in our life that you couldn't see before, when you line it up with God's life, you begin to see it. You begin to see the things that's wrong in your life. You begin to see the things that you need to change in your life. Why? Because when you line your life up with God's presence, we begin to see the flaws and the imperfections that God wants us to change. He says, search us, O God. Point out anything that isn't pleasing to you, David said in Psalms 139. And then in verses 6 and 7, it says this. It says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this, that has touched your lips. Your guilt uh, is taken away and your sin is atoned for. You see, this coal represents fire and purification. It represents God's presence because fire burns up everything that doesn't belong in our life. David said it in Psalms 51 verse 2. He says, Wash away all my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. The coal that touched Isaiah's lips was what took the sin and the guilt away from him, which was the presence of God. You see, I had this thought the other day as I was reading this verse, and, and it just came to me, and so you just have to bear with me, and you know, this is just how my mind was thinking that day. You see, when you touch something hot, you experience what? Pain. You experience pain. Everybody's touched something hot, you, you know, you experience that pain. But I, as I looked at that scripture, nowhere in that scripture does it say that Isaiah experienced any kind of pain when the, when the cold touched his lips. It doesn't say he experienced any kind of pain when the cold touched his lips. The only time that it talked about pain, or when, the only time that it talked about when he cried out was in verse 5 when he says, Woe to me, God, I'm a man of unclean lips. He cried out in that moment, God, I'm a man of unclean lips. When we, you see, when we cry out, it's usually because we're in pain. You see, when I get up off the couch, I'll go, Ugh, you know what I'm saying? Because I realize there's pain that's shooting through my back and my hips. You saw Isaiah was in that moment before, he, before the cold touched his lips. He was in a moment where he was crying out to God. Why? Because the sin that was in him was causing him pain. The sin that was in him was causing, his, causing him pain. You see, if there was any pain in his, in, in his life at that moment, it didn't say that it bothered him at all. And my mind thought, well, either, either there was no pain because it was a special blessing or it was a vision from God, or the pain didn't affect him because he was more concerned about what was happening in him, not what was happening to him. You see, too many times we're concerned of what's happening to us and not what God's wanting to do in us. 
In that moment, it doesn't say that Isaiah experienced any pain. And again, that's just, I'm not saying that scripturally, I'm just saying that's where my mind went to. Is in that moment, he was more concerned what, was God, what God was doing in him instead of what God was doing to him. He needed a cleansing. He needed something to change in his life. So he wasn't concerned about what God was doing to him. He was concerned about what God was doing in him. You see, God may reveal things to you that you need to remove from your life. Things that are not good for you. And sometimes, can I tell you this this morning, that means that God will remove people from your life. People that's not good for you. Relationships that are not good for you. And I can tell you this morning is this, that can be very painful. It can be very painful. Where God removes these people out of your life and you're just like, okay, God, what what am I going to do now? I don't have anybody. God says, oh, yeah, you do. You have me. You see, too many times we're, again, God is wanting to do something in us, but we're more concerned with what's happening to us. So Isaiah was like, God, do something something in me, God. Change my life. Change everything about me, God, because I want to be a better person. God, I want to allow you to cleanse me. Why? Because I want to be a better person. You see, once Isaiah met with God, there was a cleansing that began to take place in his life. You see, Isaiah allowed God not only to search him, he allowed God to cleanse him. And the last thing is this, he allowed God to send him. The, clean, the, the search me happened first, and then the cleansing, and then the sending. The third thing is the sin. Look at verse 8. Verse 8 says, Then I heard a voice from the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And Isaiah, standing there in the presence of God, says these famous words, Here I am, God. Send me. Here I am, God. Send me. Miss Karen, I want to ask you to come on up this morning. You see, in that moment, God asked Isaiah two questions. Isaiah, who am I going to send? And Isaiah, who's going to go for me? Who's going to go for us? Who, who am I going to send, Isaiah? And who's going to go for us? Who's going to go for me? God, God, says, God, God says to Isaiah, who's going to go for me, Isaiah? Who's going to go for my son, Isaiah? Who's going to go for the Holy Spirit, Isaiah? Who's going to go for us? Everything that's happening around you right now, right now Isaiah, who's going to go for us? Who, who am I going to send? Who's going to go for us, Isaiah? You see, God is looking for people that will go into our communities to reach people. God is asking this morning. He's asking for volunteers. He's asking for people that will step up to the plate and say, God, I will go where you send me. Whatever you're asking from me, God, whatever is it that you want me to do, whoever you want me to talk to, God, here I am, God, send me. That's what he was telling Isaiah. He asked Isaiah those questions. Who's going to go, Isaiah? Who's going to go for me? And Isaiah's standing over here in the corner. Why? Because he's in the presence of God. Isaiah's like, here I am, God, send me. Don't look anywhere else, God. Look at me because I want to go. Because, God, you searched my heart. God, you cleansed me. And now you're wanting me to go and make a difference in someone else's life. Here I am, God, send me. God is asking for volunteers. He's asking you this morning, who's going to go? Who can he send? And too many times we're like, hey, we'll send that person over there. Oh, God, send that person over there. Don't send me. Send them. 
here I am, send me. You see, when we ask God to search us, not only are we asking God to search us, but we're asking God to cleanse us. But understand this, after that, be prepared for God to send you. Search me, cleanse me, and send me. That's what God wants. He's not looking for perfection. He's just looking for availability. That's all he wants. Well, pastor, I can't do that. Who says who? You? I can't do that. Why? Because I'm not that type of person. Well, I'm, I'm not either. But I know what God's called me to do, and that is reach people. I, I can't do that at work. Why? Who's going to do it then? Who's going to go for God if, 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 if everybody in this room says no? Who's going to go? Well, let's, let's leave it up to the Methodist church down the street. Or let's leave it to the Baptist church or to the, to the other church. Let's leave it to them. Let's just, let's just kind of just have our own little thing here at Legacy Church. No, God says, I want to send you. Because there's people that God has placed in your life that you can reach for, for Him that these other people can't. Search me, O oh God. Cleanse me, O oh God. And then send me out to reach the lost. Who's going to go for us? Who can I send? Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20 says this. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to, to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Do you know who he's talking about today? Legacy Church. He's not just talking about me. He's talking about you. He's talking about all of us this morning. You see, Jesus searched for the disciples and he found them. The Holy Spirit cleansed them in the moment where they, when they met Jesus in the, or the Holy Spirit in the upper room. And then God sent out the disciples to make a difference in the community. Acts chapter 1 verses 8 says this. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Isaiah said, here I am, Lord. Send me. You see, before we send out missionaries across the world, before we send them into dangerous places, before we send them to other countries, we have a commissioning service for them to where we pray over them and ask the Holy Spirit to lead them. But not only that, but to ask the Holy Spirit to, be, to live inside of them so that they can go and reach the people in their community or into their village, wherever it is that God's sending them. And what I really felt in my heart Thursday as I was preparing this message is this. We need to have a commissioning service today for you. Well, Pastor, I don't want that to happen. Well, that's fine. You, you don't have to come forward. But here's, here, I felt this so strongly ever since Thursday is this. Is that we need to look to God and say, God, here I am. Send me. Here I am, send me. So if that's you this morning, if you would say, Pastor, I want to answer that call. I want to answer the question that God's asking. 
Who's going to go? Who am I going to send? If that's you, I want you to come and stand across the front this morning. We're going to have a time of prayer. If that's you, I want you to come on and stand across the front. If you, hey, if this doesn't like, if you feel like this is not for you, then please, you stay where you are. But I feel in my spirit that God is asking us today to have a moment of commissioning our lives to Him. Because there's great things that's going to happen in our life when the people of God says, Here I am, God, send me. Here I am, God, send me. I don't, want to, I don't want to leave it up to this person. I don't want to wait for that person to do it. But God, I'm, I'm, I'm giving my life to you right now all over again, God, going, here I am, God, send me. God's looking for availability, guys. He's looking for someone that will just say, God, here I am, send me. Just lift your hands if you're in the altars right now. Just lift your hands towards heaven. Just begin to say, God, here I am, send me. Just God, say, here I am, send me, God. God, I'm not worried about the challenges, God. I'm not worried about the logistics, God. I'm not even worried about what, it's look, what it looks like, God. I'm just worried about, God, there's nobody going for you. And so, Father, I want to answer the call. Here I am, God, send me. God, here's my life. Here's my failures. Here's my fears. Here's all of my insecurities, God. Here's everything that I am about me, God. God, I just give it to you this morning and I say, Father, use me and send me, Father. Send me. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to Jesus, I surrender. Isaiah was surrendering his life to Jesus in that moment. He was going, God, here I am. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live in a culture of, of, of sinful people, God. Woe is me. Cleanse me. Take away my sin and my guilt so that I can go out and reach other people for Jesus. I want you to turn to a person and just lay your hand on them right now, and I just want you to begin to pray for them. Father, I pray for the person on my left and the person on my right, Father, right now. The God, that you would begin to use them greatly. God, that the, the mighty work and the, the things that you have for that person, Father, is just amazing. God, I just pray that you would protect them and you would surround them, God, with your spirit, God, that you would surround them with your presence, God. God, as they go out into the community, to these places that they may face challenges, God, God, understand that you're there with us as you told Isaiah. And as you told the disciples, I will be with you to the very end. That, God, that, that you're still sitting on the throne, God, that you have not removed yourself from that, God, from that position, but, God, you're still there. That no matter what we face, that no matter what we encounter, God, God, we know that we're not going by ourselves, God, but you've commissioned us to go. God, you've commanded us to go to reach the people that are lost in this community. So, Father, today, God, I thank you for your people. God, I thank you for every person that's here today that has heard this message God, to know and understand that there's more than what we've experienced up to this point. And God, that, that you're going to go and you're going to begin to 
do incredible things in our life and in our spirits, God. God, we get everything right in our life before you so that, God, we can reach the people in our community. God, these are your people. This is your handiwork. You put them together, God. You place the things inside of them, God, that you're wanting to use. So, God, I pray that they would do that, God, in these next couple of weeks, months, and even years. Because, God, we're going in your presence. Because you're leading us and guiding us. Send us. Who's going to go? God, I'll go. Here we are. Send us. God, thank you for this word. Thank you for your anointing. God, thank you for your presence. And God, we magnify your holy name. And everyone said, amen and amen. God bless you guys. Turn around and love on somebody this morning before you leave. Thank you once again for joining us at Legacy Church. Stay tuned in to our website for updates on events and check out other messages under the online listening tab. We'd love to see you, so join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Have a blessed day.